0: but I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair.
1: Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic
0: shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm
1: Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis, here as always with Sarah Powers. Hey, good morning, Sarah.
0: Good morning, Megan. How are you?
1: I'm good. We were just laughing because we usually have a um, a slightly later schedule uh, for recording, and because of some travel and stuff going on this week, and we bumped it back. So it's about what, like seven thirty where you are? Seven thirty a.m.
0: My time. Yeah. And Sarah is
1: more chipper than I think I've <laughs> ever heard her, and it's it's awesome. Um, we have very different, you know, uh, energy, energy pattern. patterns.
0: Yes. So. <laughs> this is. I start off at my highest energy after my first cup of coffee, and then it just Really, it's just one big downhill slide <laughs> until the end of the day. <laughs> See, I don't I don't yeah. get those little peaks. I get peaks. Yeah. yeah. Like I'll
1: have like a you know, it's it's you know, ten thirty where I am. And mm-hmm. this is like a good time of morning for me. I've really kind of hit my stride. And then I'll start to kind of slump, and then in the late afternoon, I'll hit a peak, and then I'll start to slump again, and then after dinner, I hit another peak.
0: Uh, I have none of those, so uh-huh. you just have to, like, catch me the Basically, earlier... Basically, this is as better. good as it
1: gets. <laughs>
0: <All> <laughs> I usually downhill. have an afternoon cup of coffee, so I guess if you happened... To, but that's totally an artificial chemical.
1: That's a chemical <laughs> That's peak, a chemical not exactly the same. We'll take induced. it when we need to, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So um, and it works out because we're in a different, we're in a different time zones. So yeah. when, and we were laughing that we usually go to bed at the same time, even though right. we'll, t- we'll get into this in a future episode, but even though I'm three hours later,
0: we're, you know, usually awake. Yeah, still, text honestly. each other. Good night. 930 Pacific, <laughs> 1230 Eastern. <Yeah.
1: laughs> Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willow Slip-On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet.
0: Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion.
1: Yeah. And let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles.
0: Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well being for your feet. We are welcoming back Olive in June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a Manny, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive in June.
1: Yeah, Olive and June's Manny System has everything you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out, (laughs) and their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love.
0: Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms.
1: Visit oliveandjune.com slash hour for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first Manny system.
0: So today we are talking about, we're shifting into fall mode a little bit, and we're going to talk about choosing schools and making education choices for your kids. And we're going to talk about it, I think, in a really general way. So whether you have toddlers and you haven't even started looking at preschools yet, or whether you're further along, we're we're obviously going into a September start. So I don't think anybody is actually choosing a school this minute. But we're going to kind of back up, I think, and talk about those education choices and why they bring so much stress sometimes and what it looks like maybe when you've been in it a few years and you realize that, you know, it might not be as make it or break it as it seems when you're first starting out. Does that kind of sound right? Yeah, that
1: sounds about right. I will say, though, although um, for a planner like Sarah, it is probably inconceivable that somebody (laughs) would still be Juggling their school choices. <laughs> That's true. That's true. um. I have twice been in the position where it came down to the wire, and I had a couple of options, and could. I was so agonizing over my options. Um. One time, it was between the kids going to public school and a private school. And one time it was between continuing to homeschool, because we homeschooled for a year, um, and sending the kids back to
0: school. And no, I no, really no. did come down to like... You are so right. And I actually have had Like two seven days here. or something. Yeah. I mean, it was, Yeah. I've had two conversations with friends in the last couple of weeks. Uh, both are preschool choices, so it's not necessarily yeah. like enrollment. I mean, we're it's maybe not as like they don't legally have to be in school yet, but... Um, two different moms who are still on the fence. And then you also have, we're going to get into this, but you also have things like wait lists and lotteries and charter schools yeah. and stuff that sometimes you are at the mercy of a wait list until the last minute or even making a change. So you're right. I, it's usually if you're planning way ahead, it's not this time of year, but there's definitely in flux, and it can just yeah. be stressful, I feel like. I bet like.
1: there's going to be at least one mom listening to this who's like... Still doesn't know where their kids are, know where the kids, kids are going in two weeks. And it's okay. It's, it's okay. okay. It's all going
0: to be okay. It is. Um so-
1: You know, can I just make that like my, my kickoff thing? I kind of want to just give a little background and feel free, Sarah. I know we're in a very different place, but you know, feel free to also share your kind of story about how you've come to decisions. Um, we've been all over the place. So our kids have been, um, and our oldest went to Montessori school for a couple of years. That was more like a preschool. I think I, one of them was in a kindergarten program there. It's been a long time and it's starting to get fuzzy. um, they went to a public school, they went to a Catholic school, they went to a Lutheran school, then they went back to another public school, and we did homeschool for a year. So we have been all over the map mm-hmm. um, educationally. And what's funny now, you know, just like with most things, how relaxed I am about it now as compared to how I felt about it maybe, say, 10 years ago when the oldest were still like early elementary age and all the other ones were coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like what I chose was going to basically be like the biggest decision I ever made and was going to, you know, affect them in some way I couldn't even foresee. And it felt so fraught. I'm not sure any other choice has been as hard for me to make because everything else always kind of felt like, you know, you either, you you kind of knew what the right thing was to do for yourself Mm -hmm. and school. I had no idea. I was all Mm -hmm. over the place. So I'm sure other people can relate. And I think I wrote a post about that, right? You probably know better than me. Yeah,
0: you (laughs) did. And I will link to it in the show. notes. Um, well, yeah. And I want to kind of almost point out that the idea of so many choices is relatively new. Um, you know, that for like a generation ago, there was maybe the choice between public and private. If the, if you were financially able to choose a private school and depending on where you live, of course, it's, it's look, it looks different. And I've lived in Arizona and California just in these late schooling years, but the amount of choice, um, can just make things overwhelming. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I sometimes get irritated with the idea that, oh, back in the day, it was so simple. And why do we have to complicate things? And that nostalgia for the way it used to work isn't always, it's a little short-sighted sometimes. So I'm not saying that the choice is bad. I think um, a lot of kids are better served having more choices, both within a school system and different schooling options. But it's a relatively new phenomenon, wouldn't you say? I mean, did you just go to the neighborhood school?
1: Oh, yeah. And there was no question. I mean, and and I didn't, I didn't grow up in an area. Um, I will say I grew up in a fairly rural, I mean, it's, it's hard to describe the UP, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan where I, where I grew up to
0: someone who's not from there. I'll describe it. I've been there once and it snowed (laughs) in May. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, where we were, it's like we were in a city, right? So it wasn't like we were out in the middle of nowhere, but there's still this, it's a very kind of country attitude I guess about stuff so I don't really feel like there was a lot of pressure there there wasn't a ton of affluence so that did change things like, my mom did not even think twice about it. it was I mean you know maybe if we'd you know they my uh, my older brothers and sisters were all raised in the Catholic Church and maybe if we'd had more spare cash we may mm-hmm. have ended up in the Catholic program but I was in those days I felt like that was either more of a religious thing mm-hmm. or um if you had no good options.
0: Yeah, I was going to say sometimes it was just the better school. Right, you know? right, right, right. And I I have friends from different parts of the country who grew up going to Catholic school because that was the best right. school and there was, you know, funds available for that or scholarships right. or whatever. So Yeah,
1: and and I will say um that I think parochial schools are very generous with their with their scholarships which helps. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's kind of getting off anyway, to make a long story short, yeah, that was it. You just went to the, nobody worried that much about which neighborhood school you, you know, managed to wind up. It just, you just went there. It wasn't a big deal. Right. Um, Now that was my family and my family might've been different from other, other families in the eighties, but that was definitely how it was for us.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, um, I grew up actually in an area with a lot of school choice and a lot of affluence. I did go to the neighborhood public school. I went to public school all throughout, but there were a lot of choices. I don't remember it being, um, other than when we first moved there, I was in kindergarten when we moved to Santa Barbara, so and I was the oldest child. So there was a little bit of kind of researching and shuffling around, and I had been in a Montessori preschool and kindergarten. And so I think my mom looked into the local Montessori, and it was like 20... 20- minutes away and then she looked into the local public school which was like you could see it from her house and it was like well Well, guess what (laughs) this seems easy Um, and it was a very very good public school Um, so even then um, with a lot of choice it just the neighborhood school was often the easiest Um, and I will say in terms of the public school options when we were in Arizona looking at kindergartens, Arizona has a ton of open enrollment options, which again can be really good. You can look into, but it created, I am not kidding. It was like the search for the perfect college. It was like, and, and we were only talking about public schools. We weren't talking about like the, the rat race, kind of a bad term, but with some of these, um, like, like elite, higher preschool, elite, elite preschool. Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about public school kindergarten. And I did, did get sucked into it because I I had the choices. So I felt right. like, and they weren't far away and they weren't hard to get into. I just literally could choose from seven or eight different kindergartens all within a 10 minute drive from our house. And the one assigned to us was probably the least great of them so I did end up looking around the district so it is it just creates a lot of like when you have all those choices you maybe feel compelled to research them all maybe that's where the the stress starts
1: yeah I think so and you know uh we lived in Chicago for a little over a year and um while we were there I didn't realize um that you had to get in on the lottery like in advance mm-hmm. a year. So when we by the time we moved there I was already way behind the eight ball on that. So we ended up putting the kids <clears throat> excuse me in a little neighborhood Lutheran school which was very mm-hmm. cute and um very very diverse which I liked a lot about it. It was really mixed um you know and and economically as well as racially right. and ethnically. So that was great. I loved that about it. It was struggling, you know, so there was some things about it that were right. not the best. So when we kind of came up on the end of the first school year, I started looking back at the public school program and I was like, you know, I'm spending kind of a lot of our family's money on this school and maybe we could find a better option. And there um, it, is, it is lottery. So the school in our neighborhood was not considered good. Um, and so basically everybody drove their kids around. Right, but I was like, okay, at this point, I have three kids in school, a fourth going to be going into school, and I had a fifth on the way, and I was like, I cannot even deal right right now. That's why we ended up moving. That's probably (laughs) the number one reason we moved is I just couldn't deal with the, the the way the public school lottery worked. And I know a lot of families have made that work for them, but for me, the idea of having that many kids possibly going to different schools, me trying to get them there, they could be in a neighborhood, you know, like a 25 minute drive away. Right. Um, and the the irony is now looking back. Actually, I'm not sure that our neighborhood school was that bad. It's just, it seemed bad Right. in comparison with all of those awesome options that I could possibly get my kids into if I had the wherewithal, which it turned out I did not. Right. So we came here and we chose the easiest route. You know, we found that year when we first moved here, we found a house that was right on the bus line Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be able to kick my kids out the door Mm -hmm. and in the morning and not even get dressed and watch them get on the bus and say Mm -hmm. Mm bye-bye. I was pregnant and John was working out of town several days a week and then now we live um within walking you know the kids have to walk Mm -hmm. or I have to drive them if the weather's really bad but there was never any question like they're going to be in the public schools here it's a good public school system I'm not even gonna I didn't even consider anything else Mm -hmm. and it did simplify our lives a lot you know it's not is it the perfect choice no but I'm kind of at the point where I'm not I don't know that that even exists anyway and I think you do what's right for your family and it It is funny to me when I think back to the fact that I had my kids. We lived when we were, uh, our older kids were in Catholic school, which was a fantastic school. I mean, so warm and welcoming. Mm-hmm. And we'd had a really bad experience with Jacob in a, um, kindergarten his first year. He just wasn't really ready for it, mm-hmm. so we homeschooled him for first grade. And so I was really skittish, like coming Mm -hmm. back in. I was Mm -hmm. like, am I doing the right thing? Putting them in school and da, da, da. And so that was the perfect environment. But it is kind of funny to me thinking back how much money I spent on that Mm -hmm. at a time that honestly, we didn't really have the money to spend. Mm -hmm. And would there have been ways that money could have better benefited our family? Probably. you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm not second guessing myself, but it is kind of funny to me now looking back that I was that freaked out about it, (laughs) that I spent a large chunk of our family's income every month Right school when there was a great public school like right down the road.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, I don't know. So I guess I feel like I'm kind of all over the place with that. No, I think well,
0: one of the first things I yeah, sorry, I cut you off. Go,
1: no, go ahead. Yeah.
0: One of the first things I kind of wanted to say if we're offering tips and advice is that no school or system is perfect. And this has taken me a little bit of time to like come to terms with because if you're, you know, like you said, if you're sort of research-minded or you're looking into all these available options. It, the underlying assumption is that you're going to find the one that's right for you. Maybe not right for everybody, but you're going to find that one, you know, like finding your perfect match. Right. And I think it helps to come to terms with the fact that you're going to find the best option for your kid and family at that time. And there will always be things about that school or that system that probably aren't perfect for you. And that, I mean, I think that if you come to terms with that, it really maybe helps kind of. Um, maybe direct your attention to making that year and that teacher and that situation the best it can be knowing there's no like nirvana. There's no ideal out there that you're missing. That's just down the road that you forgot to Google. Do you know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah. Did you see that Onion article that was going around (laughs) and it was like, mom wonders why... She can't find a preschool that's perfect. Like, what was it again? Like,
0: oh, I didn't see that one, perfectly but
1: made that one. for her specific yeah. child or Correct. something. I mean, it is hilarious. And it, when you read it, and it's funny because someone shared it and then a bunch of people didn't realize it was the onion. You know how that happens? Oh, wait, yes. <laughs> yeah. People are like, this is ridiculous. This woman really thinks she's going to find a preschool that's, <laughs> you know, suited perfectly for her child. And I'm laughing because I was I could recognize so much of myself in that from years ago mm-hmm. when I really thought Thank I was going to find that one thing. And then, you know, if you have more than one kid, what you then realize is what's you know, even if you found something close to nirvana for right. one kid, it right. doesn't necessarily it's gonna mean it's gonna be nirvana for the other kid. Yeah. And then what do you do? And then you might find it's not nirvana for you. Yes. So it might the kids might be having the most wonderful experience ever and you're stressed out because there's so much burden
0: on the parents sometimes. Right. Um, or, the, or, or the community or the commute the or the yeah. distance or exactly. the tuition. I mean, there's so many Some, right. Pieces.
1: And all that counts. Like the family unit and our my you know, my philosophy now that we have so dang many people in our family is the unit has to come first and we cannot sacrifice for the good of one, right? you know, one gifted child or one kid. And, and it would be different maybe if we had a kid with special needs, because I would mm-hmm. look at that as this is part of the family unit. Like, Absolutely. This is, to make this child thrive, we're all going to sacrifice a little bit. But I think that sometimes what ends up happening is, um, especially when there's kids who are particularly talented in one area or another, I think a lot of times family resources just kind of not even on purpose, it's not even like anyone plans it, but they just kind of go in that direction. And then what do you, then you can't really divide yourself five times in that way. Like if you're investing that much in one kid's education and the next one has a completely different set of needs, you can't just continue to divide yourself. Um, It just, it just doesn't work after a while. So sometimes you just have to take one, have everyone take one for the team. Yeah.
0: Yeah. uh, And remembering that we're only talking about the school piece. So there's still ways to nurture that or give attention in certain areas that school is just one piece of the puzzle for that child's development and education and um the other thing i was going to say so you basically hit on two of my little notes here one is that no school or system is perfect and two is that every kid are different i mean every kid is different i mean i right. think if if we understand those two things it's harder when it is your first kid because that's the only kid you're dealing with and if it's your first school choice and your first kid those two things are harder to maybe realize but right. the further you go but the third thing is that nothing is permanent and this is a hard one for me because oh, yeah. i'm like I, I, you know, I'm like a committer. So yeah. I, I don't like the idea of like switching. It's like, you know, upsetting to my sensibilities. And it, you know, so I feel like when I look for something, I want it to be, you know, okay, this is what we're doing. And so it really helps Whatever. for me to remind myself that, yeah, that, you know, you can make a change. Like you can come home from the first week of school and say, you know what, this is not right. There are other options. I mean, right. you can, you can decide to homeschool, which I have a friend who did, and halfway through the year be like, nope, not for us. And so I think giving yourself permission to switch gears midstream before you even go into it, it just relieves so much of that pressure. Um, And that, you know, I think we build up this changing schools is traumatic for children idea, and I think it can be for certain kids at certain ages. I mean, I I think you moved when you were a teenager, didn't you? Yeah, I
1: moved three or four times. Yeah, you
0: know, so I I don't think maybe we want to downplay that, but I, I don't think it's the end of the world. Pulling a kid out of the middle of third grade because the school choice isn't right and moving them could be a really positive thing right, for that and giving kid, giving them a
1: chance to thrive someplace else. And and you know, people say kids are resilient, and it's, they say it so many times, it starts to not you know even mean anything anymore. But a positive change like that can really be, and my experience too, can be a really great thing for a kid. And sometimes, you know, coming in the middle of the year, um, I did that twice. I changed mm-hmm. schools twice in the middle of the year, and I kind of loved it. <laughs> exactly. because you're like a little celebrity so you don't have to right. like be just one more faceless you know nameless rabble at the beginning of the year but you kind of get a little special attention how old People were you are a little nicer you, to you um do you remember? kindergarten yeah kindergarten I, and eighth grade
0: okay that was probably two so. very different things i also oh my gosh, yes. i also started a new school in the middle of kindergarten but i don't think i ever and after that i was in the same system the whole time yeah and i i mean i don't really
1: remember kindergarten that much Honestly, Um, I do remember having a very positive feeling about my second kindergarten that I went to Uh uh, and not as positive a feeling about the first one. I mean, I I can remember, you know, one of my earliest memories of kindergarten, the first kindergarten I went to was accidentally like the teacher had switched seats you know switched up the mm-hmm. seating chart i don't know why you would ever do that to a <laughs> yeah, so everyone was so confused um but we i remember going and accidentally sitting in my old seat which was now this other girl's seat and she i felt so stupid and she Aww. came up and very meanly told me to get out of her seat and i that is my only memory of um except for riding the bus that's my only memory of that kindergarten is just feeling kind of dumb. <laughs> and oh. then the other kindergarten, I remember the the cardboard blocks. Yes, I remember the And the alphabet people. I have like a lot of really good memories from that second one. So who knows? Maybe that was like a great thing for me. Yeah. I, I don't really remember. But um, eighth grade yeah. was cool because I went from being kind of shy and, um, you know, really nerdy and really, really dork, not even nerdy, just a big old dork in my mm-hmm. um, first junior high. And then I came in the middle of the year and people were intrigued by me.
0: So sure. I got a lot of attention and that was yeah. kind of
1: nice. So yeah, I think, yeah, that, yeah.
0: I mean, nothing just, is, nothing is permanent.
1: Nothing is permanent. Um, I want to address the homeschooling thing really quickly because mm-hmm. I think Please. this is something I also might've written a post about, um, how hard it was for me to give up the idea of being a homeschooler. Like that was serious, like mourning I had mm-hmm. to go through. I, that was never even on my radar as an option. um, until my oldest was maybe 2 or 3 and i i th- i think i've totally i fell in with a group of radical attachment parents um <laughs> like a gang it was really <laughs> yeah. i mean i'm still friends with a lot of them years later and we kind of talk about it like like we have ps you know post traumatic yeah. stress because it was very culty and and uh-huh. very um hardcore at the time but a lot of them were going home school and i just kind of started thinking about it and i got so into this idea <clears throat> and we did it for one year and there was some wonderful things about it um and if I had been more disciplined maybe or less distracted by my own career goals mm-hmm. or less, there's like a lot of different things. And you were having things. more babies. Yeah. I was having more babies. And I think that I remember the, um, actually the clincher for me was at the time we just had the three. So I had a six-year-old, a four-year-old and William was like, I don't know, like a year and a half maybe. And I was pregnant. And so I... To go to any of the homeschool groups and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like I had to take William with me. And he, I looked at him one day, I'm like, he's just living in his car seat. Right. The kid was in his car seat right. constantly because I was always shuffling the other two around. And I never felt like I, was, I could never stay up, mm-hmm. up on anything. And so I just was like, I can't do this. Maybe we'll revisit the idea later. And then once the kids were in school and we settled in and I felt good about where they were, I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope, not going to happen. Yeah. But there was so much. I'm such a rebel at heart about mm-hmm. things. And stupid things irritate me a lot about school. Mm-hmm, like I get mm-hmm. myself all you know, hot and bothered over things that probably aren't that <laughs> big of a deal. And I want to be the one who's like, yeah, we're going to do what we want. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I have found a way over the years to take all the things that compelled me to want to be a homeschooler mm-hmm. and make them still part of our experience yes. as public schoolers. And yes. that's, I think, and also just give myself a big, a big break. Like, I don't. You know, that was, again, like the tripping through the fields of daisies wearing my, yes. like, Laura Ashley skirt right. phase of motherhood fantasy. <laughs> um, homeschooling was one of those things. And that's right. not reality. And any homeschooling mom will tell you right? it doesn't look like that. You right. know, it's not all, like, nature walks and right. pressing leaves and um, right. and sitting there reading the classics together when your kid is six and doesn't want to read. That right. was a big one for me. Jacob didn't want to learn to read. And... When he was in school and didn't want to learn to read, that was okay. Like I didn't take the response, I didn't bear the responsibility for that. Um, But when it was just me and him, right? That's
0: a good point. I
1: felt every day like I was failing him, and I also have a lot of public school teachers in my family. And -hmm. although nobody was ever outright judgy or anything like that, all I I just felt like everyone's watching me. Everyone's Mm -hmm. watching me fail. It was really stressful and in the end my personality could not hack it
0: <laughs> so well and i think the the point you made earlier about the unit is it was it was taxing on the unit it right. wasn't you know it was pulling away from what you were able to give right as a mom and as a so i have to jump in when you're talking about using those homeschooling philosophies and yeah, kind yeah, of applying them that. elsewhere because our friend uh tish from simple art of simple yeah. Um, wrote a post a couple of years ago that I remember, and she they they have homeschooled um, and then also done traditional school, and I'll link to her post. It's a couple of years old, but it was called after schooling, and I think it's actually a thing. Like unschooling is a yes, thing. Yes, after schooling is a thing. I didn't realize. I thought she was just summer using that to describe, yeah. But I went back to read it, and um, but they had homeschooled before and were going back into traditional school, and she talked about you know the things that they were doing to supplement, and that just really stuck with me. I've never really been to homeschool, but I I love just, I love some of the concepts that homeschoolers, you know, are able to do with their kids and some of the philosophies. And so I love that thought that you can, you know, you can have the best of all worlds. Learning doesn't stop at three o'clock. Right. One of the things that I like about having outsourcing the bulk of their academic learning is that I can, that I don't have to feel obligated to spread my teaching abilities out into all subject areas. Do you know what I mean? Especially
1: the one you're not interested in. Yes. Yeah. No,
0: totally. So, you know, I will read, we've talked about reading aloud and how much you and I love literature. I'll read to my heart's content and music and singing. And I don't have to feel the need to fill in the gaps of math, you know? Mm -hmm. I I mean, I'll support the math that's happening at school, but I don't, that's not on me. So that's I mean, but everybody's different. I, I I love my homeschooling friends, actually. I think it's it's such a I think it's such a great option for some people, and I think it's come a long way in terms of some of the stigmas being removed right. and some of the options that are out there for homeschoolers. So, I will
1: say that between the time, even between the time that my oldest was starting kindergarten and now, I mean, the acceptance, the resources, the community groups, I mean, it's completely, it's a 180. It's completely different. um, It is completely different. And I think it's great. And I, I, you know, part of me, again, will always wish that I had kind of been that person who'd stuck with it. Maybe I would have gotten, you know, maybe I would have gotten over those humps. Um, and maybe I would, my self-confidence would have grown and that's not the way it worked out and that's okay too. Right. Um, but there's a little part of me that, that fantasy, like that homeschool fantasy is still, you know, taking up a little real estate in my imagination okay. and that's okay right Let's i also just be real there's at a this lot of point. kinds of moms i
0: never was <laughs> right well at this point in the summer i'm just going to like cut it super straight right now right. i do not want to spend that much time with my children and i'm saying <laughs> that as an end of summer mom <laughs> right now that's why i love i love like the unschooling Uns- i don't actually like i'm not an expert on unschooling but whenever i read about it the part that appeals to me is that you send them off to kind of develop their own interests
1: right yeah no yeah 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 there's a lot that appealed to me about that as well um yeah you know for me it's like and we've talked about this like we talked like in uh two episodes ago we talked about summer malaise and how things start to break down and for me it's never having my and I know you know you're in a very different place from me and and it's people get rubbed the wrong way when some moms are like oh I can't wait for school because I want my kids out of here and I don't think that we mean it that way. It's not like I don't want to be around my kids. Because I do. I love being around my kids. It's like I need some space back for myself. Like I need to carve out hmm. something that makes sense for me. And for me, like having that high tolerance for chaos, it doesn't really kick in until a little bit later. Right. But then when it right. hits, it's I don't even really care where they go, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to go to school. They could just you know like – Go outside for a whole day.
0: and see what happens.
1: Yeah, they could just go. On, yeah, they could just go on a camping trip. All right. by them, like you know, like the boxcar children. They could just take care <laughs> of themselves for a few days in the woods, and I would get the house clean, right. and I would get all of my meal plans made and all that stuff. And then they'd come back, and I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see you." Here's some cookies. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's how I, I feel like I need them to go away and come back. Right. At, and school does that, but there's other ways to do that as well. So you know, absolutely. Then to absolutely. grandmas or something. I don't know. Oh,
0: I love that. <laughs> Um, OK, well, that's kind of segues into something else I wanted to talk about, which is um, kind of uh, educational philosophies and this pressure that we have to research, you know, whether it's Montessori or Waldorf or classical or all these yeah. things that are now right. We have so much information available to us um, and and that in practice, you can take from what you are interested in or what you're drawn to. And still live within, say, a typical public school environment or, and I guess I'm sort of just repeating what we've been talking about, but has that, has that played out for you guys where you've found yourself, maybe it's something at home, um, where you're able to pull from that, you know, homeschoolers mindset, Uh, even, even though you've chosen a typical, I
1: would like to say yes, but here's the (laughs) thing I've really, I'm It's going to make it sound like I've just given up, but it'll probably horrify the people who are with the four- and five-year-olds who are coming in and still really intensely caring. (laughs) Um, I have shifted. I could really almost sign on for any philosophy. I am an ideas person. Mm -hmm. So if you let me read a book that makes a convincing argument, Mm -hmm. I can be convinced. So Charlotte Mason, I was really big into that idea for a while. Mm -hmm. I was really big into classical, and I read um, all the Susan uh, Wise, I can't remember what her full name is. So that's like the well-trained mind and well-trained. There's like a couple of well-trained mind books. Sarah, our sponsor Haya is back on the show today. And I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved super-powered chewable vitamin, was created.
0: That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one.
1: Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door, so parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Um, I have to say one of the things I went back and read, um, I think it was A Well-Trained Mind, again, like an year or two after I first read it. Because when I first read it, I was totally on board. It's classical. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, mm-hmm. Latin. It's mm-hmm. – the the structure of the way that you learn history is completely mm-hmm. different. And it's just different. And, it, and it's cool. And it appeals to the old school mm-hmm. – person in me. It appeals to the person who likes, who's nostalgic and thinks Mm -hmm. things were always Mm -hmm. better before. Um, I'm I'm totally admitting to all of my foibles here. I mean, so anyway, and I romanticize things. So for Mm -hmm. me, like for me to, if I get really on board something, I can be totally Mm -hmm. in, but Mm -hmm. I went back and read it and the premise of the book, like in the intro, she sets it up that the mom, so I think it was written by like a mother daughter team. Okay. And I don't, and it's been a while, but anyway, I think, so the mom was writing an intro about how she decided she wasn't going to be one of those parents who sent her kindergartner off to school unprepared. Like she wasn't going to be one of those, mm-hmm. right? And that was how this whole thing started. And so she wanted her kid to be reading by kindergarten. And then at this point, when I went back and reread it, now being in a position where I have one kid who didn't learn to read really well till eight, till he was eight, not mm-hmm. eighth grade, but till he was eight. <laughs> and by the way, now is a voracious reader right? and scored like, I mean, I don't want to brag because I'm like the least braggy mom ever. You're not bragging. But got like, like a 36 in his, um, on the verbal part of his, a- his ACT. That's perfect. Oh, wow. Like on the reading. Okay. But I mean, I, he I don't s- know
0: ACT scores. Well, ACTs
1: are different. So it's like right. on a 36 point right. wow. system, but it's not like we even studied for it. He's right. just really bright in that right. way and yeah. didn't read till he was eight years old, like would not read. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, I mean, I was even surprised cause I kind of thought he was he didn't study at all or prepare right. for the ACT, so right. I thought he was totally going to bomb it. And he's like, oh, mom, I did perfect on reading. I'm like, oh, okay. Anyway, um, just a little piece of, I guess, reassurance for right. those of you who have late readers. Right. It's not the end of the world. But when I went back and read it then with my, you know, now finally seven or eight-year-old is finally starting to read. And then my five or you know, who was kind of going on six at the time, um, Isaac, who was kind of an emerging reader. He was fine. He was like right where he needed to be, but neither one of them came into kindergarten blowing, mm-hmm. like reading out of the water. And I was like, so ru- like it rubbed me so the wrong way that I mm-hmm. never read the books again. I just was like, Nope, I don't need it. Like, I don't need to feel guilty now because right. I'm right. that mom who sends right. my kindergarten to school unprepared, whatever right. that means. Right. So right. I guess, I guess any philosophy I feel like has great things about it. hmm. But when I go back, it's so easy to start poking holes when Mm -hmm. people get too, too wrapped up in it, as I have many times with many Mm -hmm. different things in my life. Um, the, the hype, I was going to use the word hysteria, but I'll use the word hype starts to kind of outweigh the benefits Mm -hmm. and that makes my inner rebel come out and just want to say, screw the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to make a long story short, um, I I don't know. Did I didn't answer your question? I don't think I did. But no, the answer is no. I'm not really. You spoke to the issue
0: that I am talking about, which is like, what are you talking about? No, no. (laughs) You're right on point. I'm nodding and smiling. Okay, good. Um, You spoke to the issue that I'm. I guess I'm having trouble articulating, which is. There are these philosophies out there. You can either buy in or I'm more of like, I like to research everything. And then I realize I have no idea what I think. And then I usually <laughs> sit with that discomfort for a while. Yeah. Um, so I'm less likely to go full bore because I, I am kind of a skeptic. So I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that can't be that. That doesn't make total sense. And I guess what I'm saying, if you're if you're feeling like you have to pick one and stick with it, you don't. Number right. one, Yes. Perfect. If you're feeling passionate about one, but your educational choices don't line up. And I think that's actually where my original question started. If you're feeling passionate about Waldorf education, but your circumstances put you in a traditional public school. Right. I don't think you have to feel like you've like you've failed your child. Like I think that that was up, the best. Yeah. Uh, that was the best I did. Gold star <laughs> for articulating that part. That the philosophy of Waldorf or the philosophy of classical education can be something that is like true to your heart and the way yeah. that you you know just talk to your kids and raise your family. And if you're and if your day to day schooling isn't exactly lined up this year or next year or ever um, it's not a failing. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's, I still think that there are a lot of things about the philosophy of classical education. I'm sure we probably have some classical homeschoolers listening to this right now, like, how dare you? (laughs) Um, I think that there are really great things about it. And honestly, that's still, uh, that's still a direction I lean. Mm -hmm. Um, but that can come across in all different ways. Like you're saying, I mean, uh, the one cool thing is that the, um, the classical education people I think have done really well and Waldorf as well. There's so many resources mm-hmm. and they don't have to be only used by homeschoolers. So for example, they have a history series I want to say it's called like story of the world. And it's yes. so it and does in the order. Uh,
0: just links to that in their afterschooling yeah. so to that post. That's There'd there. be no yeah. reason
1: why that couldn't be part of your family's reading. It doesn't have to be right. a curriculum you don't have to call it after-schooling either. Right. And I do start to right. kind of like, I, I, I get a little iffy about Naming things yes. I do sometimes, like, okay, is this after schooling, or is this just reading to my kids? just and talking about what us, talking about us. Yeah. life. I mean, I feel like it sometimes we feel like we put labels on stuff because it makes us feel better, maybe about what we're doing or not doing, or maybe right. it gives us something we can talk about with other moms. And I don't know. I just I kind of feel like that's life, you know, and that's right. the kind of life the kind of intellectual life we want to have in our house. is right. one where we read and we talk about yes. ideas, and those things can all work. And I think Waldorf is great for thing um for like art. Yes, resources and their toys are amazing. I mean, And so you can tap into a little of that right. and you don't have to buy into the whole thing if that just doesn't work for you. Um, exactly. For whatever reason, like you said. Gosh, you okay. really summed it up really succinctly. I think I would talk <laughs> it, like it took 20 me like, 20 minutes or something. It took but, me four tries, though. <laughs> um, but, okay, so I want to... Um, but hold on, let me just oh, make my one last point. I will say in a lot of ways when it comes to school, I have just kind of... I, I decided at some point, if I'm going to put my trust in these people to educate my kids for the most part, although I know education begins and ends at home, um, then I'm gonna have to put trust in the curriculum that are using. It's not gonna be perfect. I don't believe in a perfect curriculum. I don't believe in a perfect philosophy. But at some point I can't I can't be the mom who's always up in my kids teacher's mm-hmm. face is asking mm-hmm. about curriculum. It would make, mm-hmm. I would make myself
0: crazy. That's not and I, either. I, I think there's a, trust, there's a place yeah. for
1: that questioning. And there's a place for that person who's like always asking the tough questions and pushing back and mm-hmm. when things want to change, I think there needs to be that pushback, but it's not my personality to do mm-hmm. that. And I'm, so I've really just kind of taken a deep breath, pushed my kids off to school. And I think it's working out pretty well. They're smart kids.
0: Yeah. So. You, <laughs> you and I are very similar, um, in that way. And that sets up the next thing I wanted to say perfectly, oh, awesome. which is um, I love when it happens, um, that so Gabby Blair at Design Mom wrote an article yeah. which actually kind of inspired this topic. It's something you've written about before, but her article is pretty recent and I'll link to it. It's called Why We Don't Stress Out About Choosing School. And she has a bunch of great points, a lot of the things that we are talking about. But um I want to talk about a couple of them. And one is kind of what you what you just said, which is um sometimes if you feel there are the people who feel inspired to help make a change in the school system Mm -hmm. and that if you feel inspired that you can do it. So I'm actually sort of speaking to the other side of what you just said. You just said you prefer to kind of trust what's happening as long as, you know, it seems right for your child. Um, Gabby's point was that some of these changes that have happened in education are the result of, Parents and her kids are in a public school in a very diverse area in Oakland um, where real change is happening. So, I guess the other side of that is um, if something isn't right and you feel passionate about it, you can change things. And I thought that was um, a great point that she made. I wrote a post for the mid uh, at the end of last school year about how I outed myself as staunchly against homework in the lower grades. And I rarely, (laughs) I rarely. (laughs) make a declarative statement like that because I really support teachers and I support our school and I hate homework for younger kids. I just don't think it's necessary. right? And it's, again, it's not like me to just be so declarative, but I was. Yeah.
1: No, I get it. There's every now and then you have that one thing that you just dig in on, right?
0: And I heard from a lot of teachers who said, so do we, number one, which I I always felt like I was going to be insulting the teachers. Like, you know, I don't, I just don't think we need homework for first graders, this kind of homework, you know? And, um, and that created just a little bit of like good unrest in me that there are, there have to be those people that say, this isn't, this isn't going the way I want. And that those things can create change. Now, having said all that, I'm like you, (laughs) I'm not, I I have not yet and don't see myself starting the movement, but I think it's important to remind people that it is a if you are that person that there's an important place for that i guess does that make sense
1: totally and i i agree I, you know it's funny that you say all this because the hill, the hill i'm going to die on is not going to be things like what philosophy or what curriculum right. we're using right those things i don't even almost feel qualified to have an right. opinion about i'm not an educator i'm not this right. is not what i'm spending my time researching um i don't i don't really know the metrics like that's not my thing i get you know, a bee in my bonnet, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, about more like lifestyle things like mm-hmm. recess. Like if mm-hmm. they started taking a recess away from my kids, I would flip out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so here's another example right now. They have my, the high school has a, it's called BYOD, bring your own device initiative. Oh, okay. So starting this year, it's all optional now, but I'm sure at okay. some point it's gonna be mandatory. So the kids are encouraged to bring their own computers to school And I get it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand why they're moving in that direction. But I honestly feel like most kids are on computers enough, A. Mm -hmm. B, Mm -hmm. I don't want my kids responsible for a several hundred dollar to Mm -hmm. several thousand dollar piece of technology at school. When last year they weren't even allowed to have their cell phones out. I don't see how that's logical at all, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's like, leave your cell phone in your locker because something might happen to it. But but please, carry around this computer all day. Right. And especially in a household with several children and we have five kids like does that mean we're gonna have five laptop computers Mm -hmm. and then how do I police that I just I just feel to me I could just see it spiraling out of control Mm -hmm. like in my mind's eye I'm like okay so now all five of my kids go off with their laptops which I've had to you know I don't know sell some blood to purchase some plasma (laughs) to be able to purchase and what if they break one well it's not the school's responsibility so now I have to replace it and they will break it they will Mm -hmm. those are kids you know so Mm -hmm. um it's in the middle in high school so it's not like little kids but it just feels to me like unnecessary mm-hmm. and kind of almost like a breach of my ability as a parent to decide what kind of technology mm-hmm. I want my kids using. And so this mm-hmm. is the kind of thing that gets me so riled up, right. but, <laughs> but I also kind of feel like I missed the boat a little bit cause it's already happening. So right. I need to go back and read Gabby's post.
0: Yeah, it's great.
1: And I wasn't paying close enough attention because I was, you know, I, I wasn't really paying a lot of te- attention to what was going on at the high school level. I was paying more attention, honestly, to what was going on at the elementary school level. And I completely missed that this mm-hmm. was even a thing. Um, <clears throat> So I don't know. It's interesting to see how it'll play out and whether they'll get pushback from other parents. I do think the technology thing, a lot of people are just like, ah, kids need to learn how to use technology. Blah, what do we do? And everyone's right. kind of scrambling, trying to find. Right. The right solution, right, yeah. and I don't think more technology is the answer. Right. I think kids are kind of almost naturally wired yes, these days to I know agree. how to use it. I don't, I don't totally think they need agree. to have towed a computer around all day.
0: I totally agree to know how
1: to use a computer.
0: Well, you know what just popped into my mind when you were talking is I feel like I could sometimes be a little more compassionate about what other people get bees in their bonnets about because I I think sometimes it's easy to be, you know, you have your own things that are important to you. And it's easy to be like, well, who cares? Uh, So I have been this way about Common Core. I've had no issues with Common Core. Mm -hmm. I had a child enter school when Common Core was already being implemented. So I didn't have like a fourth grader who was switching math, uh, you know, philosophy. Well, my kids
1: have been in new math forever since they've been in school. I mean, the new math thing, I think people kind of mix up new math and Common Core. And those are two different things that I think- Common Core is now making more mainstream or something. It's not like brand new. My kids have been doing quote unquote new math, everyday right. math since they started school.
0: Right. So yeah. So that's Common Core is one where I have not had a particular issue with it. If if anything, my experience has been positive. And so I sometimes get a little bit tired of like the rancor about it. But I think what hearing you talk just reminds me that everybody's at a different place. And the things that impact someone else's kid or family that they choose to be passionate about, whichever side of whatever debate they choose to be on, isn't my place to be like, well, that's not like, who cares? You know, stop fighting. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No, I know. And I I am, as a peacekeeper, I am often kind of like, guys, do we have to like, rattle around about every little thing? And uh, Common Core is one for me, just because I have not seen any effect on my kids of this being implemented. I think because For us, it must have just been part of the deal all along, or maybe it's just really being slowly rolled out. I'm not sure. Um, I do get annoyed when people share memes that aren't true, and this happens a lot. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. This this math program or um, problem was common core. I'm like, well, actually, I mean, not really. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like people don't take enough time, and this is not not speaking to the people who are actually doing real activism in the schools. This is just sort of that knee-jerk Facebook reaction to share stuff. Yes. And I'll see stuff getting passed around and I'll be like, eh, you know, I'm not even sure that's really accurate. Um, so that kind of thing does annoy me sometimes because it's a bandwagon and I don't like bandwagons. Gosh, right. have I told you enough times about how much I don't like? <laughs> I'm, I'm so like grumpy about stuff, but I, you know, bandwagons irritate me because it's just like, no, like, let's have original thoughts. And right. Right. I'm going to get grumpy about computers and recess. <laughs> and you can get grumpy about Homework. Homework and uh, reading logs. How about, uh, let's all get grumpy about the Halloween parade, the costume
0: parade. (laughs) No,
1: I don't get grumpy about that. That's pretty cool. But,
0: oh, I love it. Um, all right. Well, okay. I want to ask one more question. Um, has this been our rambliest episode yet? Do you think? Maybe, but it's such a big, gnarly topic. It is a big topic. Yep. So if you want a more organized episode, go back one. I think we were pretty on it, it. (laughs) but (laughs) we're tackling big things here. Right. Um, No, I just wanted to get your perspective as a mom of teenagers. And you've made obviously we've just talked about some of the things coming up in middle and high school. But just kind of how does this look as kids get older? Have you had kind of school choice or school, you know, things come up where you're still kind of making these decisions as the kids get older? And then I know you have stuff to say about the pressure to make after high school choices and college Um,
1: so I haven't so far because we, for the last seven or eight years, um, have been living in a place where there is one. You know, there's there's a couple of private schools, but most people send their kids to the public school. It's very good. Uh, so no, there really haven't been choices I've had to make. Right. There's also no what, one thing I kind of appreciate about the simplicity of this of this this district is that there isn't like a separate gifted program. There aren't like tracks that you can mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. get your kids in. Um, I think that the teachers are really good about just kind of yeah. reaching kids where they are and and. I think that kids who are you know, gifted or um, academically hyper-achieving or whatever get their needs met without mm-hmm. having to have some kind of separate pull-out program, which I really appreciate because I start to get kind of confused and overwhelmed by all the mm-hmm. pull-out things. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. they cause a lot of divisiveness mm-hmm. that doesn't need to be there. So mm-hmm. that's my <laughs> – I'm not even going to get into gifted education because right. that's like somebody who knows what they're talking about can talk right. about that. But I, as a mom of smart but not always super motivated and probably not genius level kids, um, appreciate that they can get a little bit of extra, you know, enrichment when they need it without having to be part of some big thing that I have to sort of be on board with or not. I I appreciate that. Um, with the high schoolers, I will say that we are looking at possibly making a move in the next couple of years. And that is freaking me out because Mm -hmm. the places that we're looking at moving are more urban and there Mm -hmm. will be high school choice. And Mm -hmm. I haven't had to do that yet. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to decide how much does it matter to me if a school has a eight or nine great schools dot org right. rating. And what right. does that even mean? I know um,
0: you should definitely read that it because okay. it's really inspiring in that way. And she's written yeah. a lot about where they live and their schools. And she's got six kids in public school yeah, in a very urban area. So well,
1: and, and to to sort of um, tie into the college thing, I mean, I have heard from parents who are like, you know, it does matter in high school because you want your kids to go to a school that's well-regarded and that's really going to make a difference on their college applications. I'm like, well, what if, I mean, what if they're going to be applying to state schools where really the thing that matters right. is their GPA and maybe their ACT scores and they're not, I mean, my oldest two kids have not put in the work necessary to get them into an Ivy League school. It's just not going to happen. It's and not that's not always, cards. I
0: mean, that's, that's only one definition right? Of- the, the post high school track, and I'm not worried you about. You and I it. are like, pretty, yeah. yeah pretty they can there. get a
1: very good education um, at a trade school, or you know, they. I mean, they can go to, they could go to the little state university an hour away from our house, which where it was where I went, and get mm-hmm. a great education, or they can do community college and get a great education, or they right. can Take travel time the world off and, and wait until. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, I just think there's so many options, and I, 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 I don't want to choose a high school based on only. Mm-hmm. The idea that someone's going to be looking at that particular high school right. on their Absolutely. college application later, and maybe making a decision based on that, because there's just more to life.
0: Well, that is exactly where I wanted to wrap up, which Woo! is what Look at is me really just important. handing you all these segues I think, I know, on like a silver platter. It's because it's seven thirty in the morning. I'm on my game. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally not on my game. Um, but I like circling way back to the moms of kids going into preschool. I think if we could give them something to remember is just asking yourself what's really important. And that is different for everybody. But I think for most of us, it's the whole child, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, yeah. the whole child and, and the family unit pretty much trumps any anything else that a school or an education philosophy or a district has. Or anything
1: on that your neighborhood moms might think, Um, which is also, that was a big thing for me. Like when right. I had, you know, preschoolers and wondered what other... moms of kids, my kids age would think about choices. So, um,
0: yeah, so it's about the whole child and, and I think the community and the environment that your school puts out, that's like a big one for me when I have visited schools or chosen schools, it's so much less about the way they teach math or the way, or, you know, what age kids are going to read. Um, it's the community. I mean, there are things about our public school that I'm, not happy with to be just to put it plainly, but I have, I stay with it for now because the community is really supportive and the environment is great. And though that is like, to me because of what you can do to supplement at home and just the bigger picture is more important to me than the great school score. The Um, big
1: picture is so important.
0: Um, So I think when you're, yeah, when you're, when you're looking at preschools, it's so easy to get just, into those things on paper, either the ratings or the comment, you know, the, mm-hmm. the feedback from other parents or, you know, then what, how the elementary schools do on their test scores. We didn't even talk about testing, which I'm glad let's not talk about testing, but about that. Um, <laughs> why, why yeah, would we do that to ourselves? No, yeah, That's one where we probably won't ever have a future episode. Let's not, let's, let's not. not ever talk. But you know, close, just but, to briefly address
1: yeah. that, one thing I kind of also realized is that if you're in a school that's Te- like where the test scores are super high, just to address that really quick, <clears throat> to me that indicates either that they're putting a lot of effort into getting the test scores high, which n- is not my cup of tea, or that they probably, and this is more likely, have a population of kids that would have done well anyway. Right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? like They're, there's, they're exactly. coming from a certain amount of privilege. Um, and I honestly don't know that that is even a plus for me anymore. Okay. Um, yep. I never really thought about it that way before, but it's like do I really want my kids to be – In a school with almost all people who come from a privileged background, and I don't know that that teaches them the things about life that I want them to learn. (laughs) So, it's you know, it's all over the place though, because sometimes you're in an an area and your choices are a suburb with um, affluent parents or like urban schools that are dangerous and scary, and you don't want that either. So it's like we're nobody can judge anybody because we're all just kind of like making the best choice that we can. Right. Um, I wanted to address your thing about big picture because I think this goes with that is taking a long view. And yeah. if I could go back to my you know preschool aged parent self and just say, you know, it felt at the time, like I was making this momentous de- decision mm-hmm. that was going to be either I'd be locked in, or I was thinking permanently about mm-hmm. it, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. this is going to totally affect the rest of his life. Right. And right. yeah, I mean, everything we do affects the rest of our lives in some way. But I wish I had just given just Like you said earlier, I wish I'd just given myself permission to say, this is what I choose for today right, uh, or for this semester or whatever, and not to feel like it was such a permanent decision I was making because it wasn't and it won't be. And we've changed several times and probably will continue to because we're just those kind of people. So Right.
0: Yep. No, I completely agree. I think that, I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Do you have anything else on this?
1: No. Oh gosh. I mean, we could probably do now that we're, you know, getting talking about all these other things, I could probably go for another hour, but no.
0: Well, we'd love to hear from you guys, <laughs> listeners. What did we say that made you completely like throw up your hands in the air and be like, you guys are wrong. <laughs> not <laughs> very controversial, but we probably said some things to. Well, when you talk to, about
1: education, you can't yeah. help it. Yeah. And people are going to disagree. And that's the beauty of it. We'd love you to
0: disagree with us respectfully and kindly. You can uh, email us. Hello at the mom hour.com. And if you're non-confrontational like we are, we'd love to just hear about how school choice works for you. And if you're making a change this year and how it's going and what you're looking for, or if you have a two-year-old, and this is completely overwhelming to you, tell us that too. So it's hello at the mom hour.com. You can always email us. We'll write you back. Um, and I think that's it. This episode and all the links we talked about will be at themomhour.com. This is episode 16. We'll also link to kristenshop.com so you can, and back to the previous episodes, you can go enter that giveaway. Yeah. And I think that's all I got. Anything from your end? And I was just
1: going to say, if you want to agree with us passionately, <laughs> you may do that in the comments section. Yes. <laughs> at the momhour.com where you back can find this may, and every episode. I don't it. even know. I feel like we covered like 25 different things, but it's a big topic. And like we've, uh, you know, as we've shown here, there is no way to do Be a perfect school mom. It's just not possible. So we do not mind criticism. We you. And you have the time we don't know what we're talking about, but we, <laughs> no matter what you're doing, we support you. We support
0: <laughs> so. you. Awesome. All right. Well, we will be back next week with a brand new episode and thanks so much for listening.
1: See you then.
0: Just look for The teas Made with Megan
1: Francis wherever
0: you get your podcasts or head to theteesmade.com
1: to find all the episodes. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life.
0: Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general.
1: You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if mom or listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at MeganFrancis.substack.com and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N-Francis.substack.com.